Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. And we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief what? That's a great name for a church. Hallelujah. Cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. So everything was built on top of him. He's the cornerstone. He holds it all together. In whom, so, that's, so anytime you see in him, in whom, by whom, through whom, that's about our position in Christ, in whom, so it's talking about us, are all builded, all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom, there it is again, you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And actually, that's kind of what happened tonight. As the, and it, it, it happens occasionally. Sometimes the house is tighter. Sometimes the house is bigger. But tonight I want to talk to you about let's build a house of praise. And so building spiritual houses, um, you are each the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're his holy tabernacle. The Bible says in the book of Acts that God no longer lives in the things made by hand. God does not live in this room. So I know back in the old days, you know, they, people even in church, you know, uh, uh, you know, like my mama, my goodness, you couldn't do nothing wrong in the house of God. Uh, she, she got on uh, where she went to church. Uh, she wouldn't like it today, but they were, I think the youth were selling something in the, in the sanctuary, and she got all over that pastor. She said, this is the house of God, you know, not a den of thieves. But, you know, you have, and there's a respect, but this is not the holy place. You're the holy place. We ought to have respect for the things of God. But if you're afraid that if uh, something goes wrong, you know, I, I don't recommend trying to have church when they just had uh, a, whole, uh, a demon party Saturday night and then you're trying to have church on Sunday. Uh, that would be really hard. But you're the temple. Amen. Say, I'm the temple. And so you and I are supposed to be built up. So, so if you go away, uh, yes, God can linger in a building because there's cloth in here. You can sense his presence somewhat, but you and I are the ones that bring in the presence of God. You're the temple. You're the church. This building is wonderful. We're grateful for it. It's special in the fact that we believe God for it. Um, it is my job, our job, to keep it looking good. That's why you can't have no coffee in here. Um, you know, uh, Never mind. How you don't get to eat your Big Mac in here or your Sonic double cheeseburger and your tater tots. Um, you know, we don't do that here, but it's not because this as a whole is the holy place. You're the holy place. We respect what God has given us, and we're trying to keep it up. But I, I, I'm not of the persuasion that you ought to be really, really casual with God. Um, if you're casual with him, he's only forced to be casual with you. And so there is a respect and an honor. But so tonight, let's talk about how to build a temple, um, how to build a place of habitation, which we did tonight. I, I want, and, and I want to just show you some things. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, you also are lively stones, or you're a stone that is alive. And you're built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So you are a living stone. And so I, if you've been around a while, you've heard me minister on this before, because it's, I find this really important the way God uses me, is I, I, I believe God needs an atmosphere. 
I believe God needs, um, he moves in certain atmospheres. What do I mean by that? Um, you remember um, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and uh, he was, ra- remember the, the man came to him, and uh, uh, they went, uh, oh, Jairus. You remember Jairus? Uh, and, and remember, uh, you know, somebody stopped and said, hey, don't, because Jesus was on his way there. He said, don't, she's dead. And then Jesus gets to the house, and what did he do? He kicked everybody out the room. Why? Because he said, she's not dead. And they all laughed him to scorn. And so he said, get up on out of here then. What was he doing? Changing the atmosphere. Changing the atmosphere. If Jesus had to change the atmosphere, then you got to understand that you deal with atmosphere. Are you understanding? So uh, an atmosphere of doubt, an atmosphere of unbelief, God doesn't work in. I remember there's many times that I go to a hospital. We've gone to the hospital room. We don't go as much now. Uh, Pastor Belinda does that. Uh, Pastor JC does that. Uh, you know, uh, we don't usually go as much, you know, unless there's something that's just very necessary, but just because of the way things are. But I remember so many times of going and helping people and just sitting with people and reading the word to them. And you get them almost to a place, and then Auntie comes. Oh, baby, it's going to be all right. You never know the will of God. If he wants to take you now, we'll let him take you. So I remember this one lady. I, I just wanted to get her in a headlock and beat the crud out of her. Because we had this girl on a miracle path. We had her listening to the word. We had laid hands on her. She should have died. She was in a regular room. And we had her in a place. And she was coming up on out of there. And it wasn't long till I think it was an aunt, came and... It was this all the time. Oh, baby, you never know what the Lord wants to do. And, and argued with me while I'm trying to get this girl back in faith. She died. Well, that wasn't the Lord's will. But it's important who you listen to. This is not my message tonight. What about Jairus' dude? Remember him? Remember him? This is somebody very close with Jairus. And he came. And number one, you know that he doesn't believe what Jairus believes about Jesus. Jairus is a very important man, and he went to find Jesus. And he said, if you come to my house, my daughter will live. Do you all remember that? So what is that? That's his statement of faith. That's what he believes. He would not have went all that way and got to Jesus. Aren't you glad you don't have to find him today? He's easily found. He lives on the inside of you. But that, so, and Jesus said what? Okie dokie. Let's go. And then the woman with the issue of blood interrupted him. You remember that? She got her miracle and talked on and on and on and on. And then Jairus's friend, colleague, servant, I say somebody who has his ear, came. And if you look at the, the translation, the, a correct translation, he says to him, because he said, your daughter's dead. Now, what happens as a parent, you hear your daughter's dead. Right? That'll get you. But Jesus said, be not afraid. Only do what? Believe, Believe what? Believe what you already said. What would you say? If you come, she'll live. Didn't matter if she was dead or not dead. Jesus took him back and said, if you believe what you said already, I will come do that. But the guy said, I'm talking about ears. 
Listen to what he said. He said, don't bother the teacher. Teacher. Jairus had him up here, the master. The son of God. He had him down here, the teacher. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. It's a good thing Jairus didn't listen. Because if he'd have listened, he had two choices. You either go with the Lord or you go with someone who has your ear. And you need to be careful who has your ear. So that's when Jesus did what? I'm talking about changing the atmosphere. So that tells me something, too, about maybe Jairus was kind of learning some things and kind of on an island all by himself and not many other people understood because everybody else then made fun of Jesus when he said, she's not dead, she's asleep. So what did he do? He kicked him out. Everybody say, kick it out. (laughs) What are you kicking out? Not people. And you don't have to be mean. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't. And so it is what it is. So, But that mean it was God's will. It doesn't mean it was God's will. It doesn't mean it was God's will. Well, God took them. He didn't take people. Sickness and disease may take them, but God don't take them. He wasn't taking this girl. He wasn't taking this young girl. He wasn't taking her. But because Jairus listened to Jesus... And then Jesus, even at that, though, he had to change the atmosphere. So Peter, James, and John. And then it's interesting. Remember Tabitha? Everybody remember her? Dorcas? Remember the girl who made all the coats? Sold them on Etsy? Or eBay? I don't know. You remember her? Peter learned something, didn't he? Because they were all doing what? Crying and weeping. Because she was gone. Well, that's kind of, that's normal. That's normal. We're sad. Someone special like that goes before their time. She was obviously way too young. And then Peter's like, the Holy Ghost must have said, you remember what Jesus did? You're going to have to do it here. So what did he do? He got rid of everybody. Pastor, are you telling me to get rid of my family? I am not. I'm telling you when you're in a crisis, you better surround yourself with your four crazy friends. Atmosphere is important. Do you know you can control, especially if you're mom and dad, you can control the atmosphere in your home. You can control the atmosphere in your home. Now, at work, you may not be able to control the company, but if you've got a cubicle, you can control it. Hallelujah. You understand? You can control the atmosphere in your car. You can control, you can control some things. Now, everything else you may not be able to control. You can't control your boss. You can't control your brothers and sisters necessarily. You can't control everybody, but you can control the atmosphere. So why are we talking about this? Well, because this is the way to control the atmosphere. Say, well, how does the Lord do certain things sometimes and not others? Well, yes, he's God, and the Holy Ghost moves as he wills. You cannot dictate what the Holy Ghost does. So we can't just start jumping up and down and then have a run around the church. This won't bring the Holy Ghost. Just do some exercises. That won't do the Holy. That won't bring him. Just me even just ha, 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 ha. That necessarily won't bring him either. There's nothing you can do in the flesh to bring him. It has to be done in spirit because God is a spirit. And the Holy Spirit, even if you bring him, he determines how he moves. We, co- we respond to his movement. We don't create his movement. That's where people get off into excess. 
because they're trying to make something happen. Sing this song because last time this happened when you sang that way, Ted hit that note and we all went to glory. Ted started rapping and we all, you know, but he could do that again and I could just turn around and look at him and go like that. No, no. but he doesn't do that and my team don't do that because we've learned that just doing it, trying to hit it again the exact same way won't produce the same results. You, you can't just do something like that. There's songs that have certain anointings on them for certain seasons, and, and we use those. And we, you know, they, they call them my hot songs. And I do have hot songs every once in a while, things that get me positioned. But, but, but you have to understand that you don't get to make God move. You respond to him. And there's nothing you do in the natural. You can't clap him in. Because, I'll show you, I'm getting ahead of myself. You can't, you can't jump him up and down in. You can't do a Jericho march him in. Besides that, stuff like that, you know, oh, my goodness, we're just going everywhere tonight. But, you know, like uh, just because they had a Jericho march and the walls fell down, don't you go march around a Mercedes and expect it to come in. <laughs> Unless the Holy Ghost told you to do something like that. Even people's testimonies. Well, I laid hands on this house, and the Lord gave it to me. Well, you better be careful whose house you lay in your hands on. Because, first of all, this is Alabama, and they got guns. And I'm just being as serious as I can be. I'm not trying to be funny. Just don't be falling into the charismatic stuff of they did this, I'll do this. You have to have instructions from the Lord. You respond to him. I mean, if it's written, do it. But it's not written, go down to the Beamer uh, dealership and march around it uh, seven times and then that key will collapse into your hand or something. That's not what the Bible says. So we're talking about atmosphere. If I can talk about it, Lord, help me. You are helping me. You are lively. Everybody say, I'm a lively stone. What's the purpose of you being alive? 1 Corinthians 6.19, 6.19 says, 3.16, 1 Corinthians 3.16, 6.19 says, you are temples of the Holy Ghost. Again, Acts says that he'll no longer live in things made by men's hands. I say it this way. You are now the ark of the covenant. That's not a disrespect because the ark just means gathered presence of God, where God used to live. Remember, they used the ark to go into the Jordan. They used the ark uh, during battles. What was it? The gathered presence of God. They put the Ark of the Covenant uh, in that same, you know, the Philistines stole it and put it in the uh, temple of, was it Dagon? Remember that he, he, he went face down a couple times. I like that. But see, but today you're the gathered presence of God. God's, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The power's in you. That's why if we can get people to understand that when you come in on Sunday mornings, when you come in on Wednesday nights, when you're together with family and friends or your four crazy friends, if you'll begin to do some of these things that I'm talking about, I'm just setting a foundation, then God's presence will come in. You can't dictate how he's going to move, but you can have a big part with him coming and manifesting all the time. He wants to manifest more than we let him. Come on, have you ever been sitting at a dinner table or out at a restaurant and you start talking about the things of God. You start, you start one-upping everybody with testimony. Well, let me tell you what God did for me. And then you start talking about it. And then suddenly, as you're talking about it, you sense him. He begins to manifest. Because you can't talk about him and him not show up. He'd be like, let me get in the middle of this party. I did that for you last time. Let me show you what I'll do for you this time. You, you start talking about him and he shows up. 
It doesn't have to be in preaching. It doesn't have to be in teaching. It doesn't have to be in church. That's why if you just think this is the place God shows up, you're going to miss so much of your life because this is only three hours a week for you all. Some people, it's just an hour and a half a week. Some people, it's just an hour and a half a month. But this is not the only place he shows up. He ought to show up in your house. He ought to show up in your car. Hallelujah. How do we do that? Ephesians says we're a temple, uh, a holy temple. We are framed together. We grow. We're built together for a habitation. Everybody say habitation. What's a habitation? It's the place where God lives. And your lively stones, you build up a spiritual house. What is a spiritual house? A place where God lives. You're a holy priesthood. Everybody say, I'm a holy priest. priest. Some of you don't like that. But you are. You're a kingdom of priests. To offer up what? Spiritual sacrifices. 1 Peter 2.5 again. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now, what, what are those spiritual sacrifices? Since I'm not following my notes, who's ever up there, just you're doing great. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13, 15. What is a spiritual sacrifice? Now, in our culture, in our Western thinking, when I say the word sacrifice, if you have to sacrifice, what do you think? I have to sacrifice. That means to you. What does it usually mean to you? It is, I've got to do something that I don't want to do. But Hebrews and the Bible is not written to the United States of America. So it's not written to our culture. And so sacrifice there in Hebrews, and we'll look at it, by him let us offer the what? Sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the what? The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So a Hebrew, Hebrews written, a, a, a Jewish Christian would realize when they think sacrifice, they go back old covenant. What's a sacrifice? Well, when you brought a sacrifice to God, you went to the herd and you found the ugliest, the meanest, the nappiest, the ugliest, the, uh, the, the broken-legged one, and you gave it to God, right? No, no. You, would you ever do that? Would that be an exce- what, would, what would the priest do with that? Take it home. You're not giving that to God. Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Would, would they do that? No. So what, what is the best sacrifice? The highest and best. Remember, Pastor Robert done a great job talking about Cain and Abel. One gave the leftover with no thought. One went and picked the best. So when you think sacrifice, creating a habitation for God, whether it's in church or whether it's at home, whether it's with you or whether it's a group of people, then you think give him the best. Now, we do this all the time. I know you don't feel like it, but let's give the Lord a sacrifice of praise. But that is a total misuse of that. Now, I know, don't let your, this is Wednesday night. You are the I can do all things group. I, I worked hard all day. I played hard yesterday. I, I, I lit me a sparkler. I ate me a hot dog, but I, I ate me a hamburger, and I made it to church. Hallelujah. And so you are, and sometimes you do have to be sacrificial in your financial giving, in your time. But when it comes to praise, yes, sometimes you got to push yourself in, but that's not the thought here. The thought is highest and best. Everybody say highest and best. What is God looking for? The sacrifice of praise to God, he's looking for continually. The psalmist said what? I'm going to praise you all day long. Shall my lips praise you? 
Starts in the morning, ends in the evening. And even wake up from snoring, wake yourself up, give the Lord a praise, and go back to sleep. Right? Or when your wife punches you or you punch your wife after, wake up, let everybody give a praise, and then go back to sleep. Hallelujah. Let, but, so what it, continually, all day long. My lips will praise you all day long. So it's God on the mind all day long. That is, what is the sacrifice? Continually, that is the what? Now listen. That's the highest and best. That's the, that's the highest. What does God move in? He moves in words. What does the psalmist say? God inhabits the praises of his people. Now, um, around here, you know, we're a rambunctious bunch. We clap to the music. We clap when we get excited. We run around. But, those, but we respond to the Holy Ghost. But understand the way to get him in the, really, the only way you can give God a sacrifice of praise is with your lips. He's looking for words. Even when I tell you, because I do it too, I say, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So shouting unto God is not, ah. That's not a shout unto God. That's a, that's a scream. <laughs> that's a yeah. Shouting unto God is a raised voice, volume, but it's word. There's got to be word in it. Are you, and so even that one, I'm guilty of. I mean, sometimes, but sometimes you get excited, and when you respond, all you can do is scream. Like, you, you know, you're running from a fire. You're on fire. But that's a response. To get him here, to get him in, we're built up as live as snow. It's a house of habitation. Even this good group we have on Sundays and Wednesdays, and they are a good group. And when I'm out preaching, I want to come home and shine all their shoes and cook them dinner and something because this is a good group. And they're all, they all do it as volunteers. Every one of them are volunteers. And they, they practice. They believe God. But I even know they do this. They worship together without music because it's not the music. It's the words. It's the heart. Because, see, music um, will cover up sometimes the lack of anointing. Right? And so it's got to come from your heart. That's true worship. Right? What is it? The sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips. So God's looking for words. Everybody say God's looking for words. How many words are you giving him? And what kind of words is he looking for? Well, he's looking for words that he has told us about himself. I was going to do this with this blanket when someone said we want to do this. Um, I have on purpose proven this out in many places. Um, I was in um, Holland, and this was so many years ago. Pastor Ron and I, my goodness, do you remember our first trip to Mata Holland? Yeah. A couple days ago, uh, 27 years ago maybe. And so this is a real young group. These people, it's Holland. Um, they weren't really taught. And so I was teaching along these lines. And so I began to, so you can do this part led by the Holy Ghost. I began to pick something about God that we were going to worship him over. So I picked strength. So we began, I gave them three or four scriptures or five. And we began to, and I began to lead them. And we were thanking God for greater is he that is in me. Lord, I just thank you. Greater, you know, you're, you're the greater one. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm making a confession, but also kind of more praise and worship. So we began to do that. We began to do that. We began to do that. And about 10, 15 minutes in, suddenly, 
they begin to start laughing. Not ha, ha, ha. I mean, like glorious power comes in and they begin to laugh in the Holy Ghost. I didn't stand up and tell anybody to laugh. Why? The joy of the Lord is my We were confessing and worshiping God and thanking God for strength and joy showed up. What I was going to do tonight just to explain to you how it happens is if you need healing in your physical body or you're with someone, you just begin to worship God and thank him. And I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. You became a Christian. Thank you, Lord. And if you know some known songs that we even sing around here about Jesus being the healer. You know, you can begin to lift those up. And as you do that, especially if it's a group of people or two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, there I am in the midst, there I am in the midst. There I am in the midst, there I am, what is that? In manifestation. I'm in the midst. I remember when I was, we were in the storefront when only two or three people came to church. The Lord told me to quit reusing that scripture because I was abusing it. Because, you know, I was just saying, well, there's two or three of us here. He's here. Hallelujah. And he told me to quit it. But anyway, because um, I was trying to make the, y'all hang on. Uh, Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. Um, but my point is, how do you do that? Worship. Words. He inhabits. That's the true sacrifice. There's nothing you can do with your physical body to get him in the room. God is not a man. God is a spirit. John chapter 4. Let's go there. John chapter 4, verse 20 through 24. Hallelujah. John chapter 4. Remember, Jesus went to the woman at the well, and he found her, and they were talking about some things. And, and uh, she said, our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. That's what she said. Then Jesus said to her, woman, Believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. What? You worship, you know not what. And like right now, you're just doing some religious activity and you don't even know what you're doing. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is. Everybody say it now is. When true worshipers, true worshipers. So listen to me. If there are true worshipers, there are also false worshipers. True, false, and everything in the middle. So you can have a, now we don't have any around here, do we? We don't have any traditions. Yes, we have traditions. We try not to, but we all have traditions. But the Bible says traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to do it the word way because Jesus said true worshipers. Everybody say, I am a true worship. True worshiper. What is that? Worshiping the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. So spirit, by the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth, and Jesus said, my word is truth. So if you want to be a true worshiper, you have to worship with the word. We're not perfect at it around here, but that's why we pick particular songs. That's why every song we sing, Pastor Rhonda and I go through and we approve. And if you don't like a song we sing, don't tell Ted or Gail because it's not their fault. It's our fault. We did it. I have had to tell guest ministers that. Uh, um, I've warned one, you know, don't you be correcting my worship team. I'm the one that picked the song anyway. If you correct them, you're going to be correcting me, and I'm not going to like it. And you can get such word police on something that if you don't know the gist of something, and so maybe we can sing some things around here because I know what I've taught you and what you understand. But don't get so tight. But we're not going to sing songs full of doubt and unbelief. We're not going to sing, be singing about going up the rough side of the mountain. Right? We're not going to be, you know, uh, 
there's, there's some song, sometimes songs bother me. We used to sing one. We did it for a while, and then it bothered me too much, and I had to end up quit. We used to sing a song about covered, covered, covered by the blood. Well, I'm not covered by the blood. I'm washed in the blood. The blood has removed my sin. It didn't cover my sins. So there's certain stuff. But, you, you know, you have to watch sometimes. Um, so we do our best for that. But even in your own life, uh, you don't need music to get Jesus in the room. You don't need music to have a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You need to be a true worshiper. And how do you do it? You worship in spirit and in truth. Why? The Father seeks. He likes an atmosphere. He likes an atmosphere. You're, you, you, Ephesians says we're built up together. Uh, you know, First uh, Peter says lively stones. We're creating a house of habitation. I'm telling you, when God moves into your house, when God moves into the room, everything changes. When God's in manifestation, everything changes. And you don't need for him just to be in manifestation in church. You need him to be manifested in your home. Talk about peace. Talk about healing. Talk about prosperity. When you have God manifested regularly in your house, but if he's competing in the atmosphere, um, he's, he's going to, you know, unless you kick everything else out. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Since I didn't do anything in order here, let me see what I can help you out with. Hallelujah. Um, can you see this? That are you, you and I are true. Let's finish it up. Let's look at verse 24, I think. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him how? Spirit and truth. So it's not a, uh, an option. If you want to be, he said there's true worshipers. You and I want to be a true worshiper? Then we have to do it his way. Oh, that's okay. No, it's not okay if you want to do it the highest and the best. Let's talk Cain and Abel again. Well, he gave him something. Why did God get so mad? Because it was leftover. Because it wasn't what the Lord wanted. We want to give the Lord what he wants. Because I do need him and do want him to manifest. Because when he's in manifestation, everything changes. Amen? And when we speak the word and believe the word... He ought to be able to manifest. Well, do we, are you talking about you go by feelings? No, I'm not talking about feelings, but you can sense God. And yeah, I do like his feelings. He's not dead. I said he's not dead. I said he's not dead. He's alive. And since he's alive, then we ought to be able to sense him, to know him. And how, so what's the true sacrifice of praise? It's the fruit of your lips. You want to get God in this situation? You want to get God's presence in a room? The fruit of your lips. God does not come to what we do outwardly. Now, some of you, you, think, you might be thinking, I, I, think, I think he's being a little strong. I think he's being a little, no, let's stick with the word. Am I say, now, what I don't want you to do is get all tight. I, I did that a long time ago. And I saw a group of people because they tell, well, don't ever clap. And you might get some even guest ministers here, don't clap. I, I'm not opposed to clapping as long as your mouth's clapping at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? Let's talk about speaking the word. Why? Because just clapping won't get him in the room. Even just lifting hands won't get him in the room, even though the Bible says lift holy hands. The Bible does that. There's a few places about clapping. Uh, but even you running around the room by faith, I don't know about that. I know this. I know that when the Holy Ghost comes, my, my flesh will respond to him. But get, using my flesh to get him in the room does not work. Come on, y'all been around, this is Wednesday night, y'all been around long enough. You know sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, they try to do something to get God in the room, and it's, it, it becomes, it's more annoying. Yeah. 
than it is a blessing. Now, we're not here to, to mess with people. We're not here to pick on people. But we're, we're as a group, I'm trying to teach you what the Word of God says so that we can get highest and best. Are you interested? Come on, this is, I know you are. We're interested in what? Highest and best. So what do we got to be taught? We got to leave preconceived. Oh, Lord, I don't want to tell them about that, but I will. They, they all know that. There's some new people in the room, but they don't need to know. Um, um, so anyway, um, this little Methodist boy got filled with the Holy Ghost. He got delivered. And when I first got delivered, um, um, I had my cowboy boots on. So y'all, Lord, they've all heard this. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I, ha- I was going through my urban cowboy face. Like a rhinestone cowboy. So I had my um, good-looking cowboy boots on. I had a turquoise belt buckle on. I had a little snap-up, um, you know, f- not a nice-looking shirt, you know what I'm saying? And um, so my sister drugged me to church, and um, I came up. And this woman was preaching, and she double-dog dared me to cross some line. I did. God met me. The power of God came on me. I was delivered. I was a mess. I was delivered. Totally changed. But when I did, nobody was there to teach me about, you know, because I did some T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T. I didn't have any jam and bread. But I did some T-T-T, and it was, it was the beginning of being filled with the Holy Ghost, but nobody was there to instruct me. And so... But I do remember for 45 minutes, you can't do this for 45 minutes, especially me. Um, I don't like to be embarrassed. I don't like to be the center of attention. But for 45 minutes in front of God and everybody, I stood there and I literally just got all the crud shaken out of me. And I went home a different person. And then after that, the Lord began to use me almost immediately in tongues and interpretation, but when he came on me, because I don't know why I did, but when I felt him, I be, even if I didn't feel it, I began to shake. So I, on purpose, in yielding to him, shook. Because shooking, <laughs> shaking, was to tell everybody, this is God. And so the little charismatic church that I was in, they all loved it. They thought I was great. He's the shaking, prophesying little guy. But when I went to Bible school, I remember Patsy. Her name was Beerman. Then she was up. And there was 2,000 people there. And I don't like to be embarrassed. Lord knows I don't like to be embarrassed. But the God, God came in the room. There's 2,000 people training for the ministry. Everybody's hungry. God came. And so I began to do my shake and bake. It was God when it happened to me. I tried to make it God and almost make it so everybody could see that I knew how to yield to God, that it was God. But this beautiful woman who I had never met before, who became one of my favorite teachers, and we were at, remember Ruby Tuesdays over there, I told her she did this, and she said, oh, Mark, I'm sure I didn't do that. She did. She yelled at me. She said, stop that. That's not God. So this is what I had to do and be embarrassed in front of Because everybody could see who's, you know, she said, you quit shaking. She didn't say just stop it. She said, quit shaking. So everybody's looking around, who's shaking? Oh, it's that guy. Who everybody at his home church thought that funky chicken was the Holy Ghost all the time. But you know what? 
I sit down because I was embarrassed. But you know what I decided? God sent me here to learn something. If she's up, that means she knows more than I do. So I'm going to learn from her. She's not perfect, but I'm going to learn from her. I learned that later she's not perfect, but she sure was a good teacher. She's been here before, and I love her and appreciate her. But you know what I did? I got up, and I got back in the presence of God. And you know what's an amazing story? That was 30 years ago. I don't, I don't have to shake like that. Now, I, am I opposed to shakers? <laughs> There's a whole denomination, right? They used to call them the shakers. I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying doing stuff outwardly does not necessarily mean that God is in it. Am I opposed to demonstration? you got to know if you come to church here a minute. We are not opposed to demonstration. But demonstrating first before it's God is flesh. And he don't come for that. As a matter of fact, it opens the door for other stuff. Right? But we want the real. How do you get the real? He inhabits the praises of his people, the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name, doing anointed music. And then I didn't get time to get to it, but man, when you're in, like tonight, I could walk in the room and there's something, I don't know if it's leftover from saturation meeting on Sunday, but there, or it was just up in there, but there was unity. Where does God really like to come? Where there's unity in one accord. They were in, in the upper room. It says they were all in unity in one accord. Then suddenly, they're in unity in one accord. How many know there's no fussing going on in heaven? The Father and the Son are not fighting. The holy angels, the, the, the ones who fought are gone. The, even the saints on earth who came from a different, different denomination, they're not arguing anymore. You understand? There's nothing but peace up there. There's nothing but blessing up there. Right? And when we get that heaven, what did Jesus pray? Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Unity is a really big thing with God. Because where there's strife and envy, man, that's big. What does the Bible say? There's every evil work. You keep strife and envy out of your home. Keep it out of your car. Keep it away from you. We sure keep it out of the church. We work hard at that. Why? Because it just opens the door. But what do we do? We stay in unity and one accord. And God just really moves that. And that's the other reason where Jesus kicked them out of the room, Jairus' daughter, so she could be healed. He needed unity in the room. He knew, he knew Jairus, Peter, James, and John were all with him. Peter knew that this group, whoever he had, I don't, know if, I don't remember who it was just exactly with him. It may have just been him and mom and dad. Everybody else had to go. I don't remember. But you understand what I'm saying? Everybody say unity. unity. One accord. Woo, what happens? God comes. God comes. Now, when he comes, the Holy Ghost comes, he gets to do what he wants to do. And we respond to him. That's why you notice around here, I can lay hands on anybody, anytime, by faith, um, with an anointing. But that's why a lot of times I wait until the Holy Ghost is here for that. You can lay hands on anybody, anytime. You don't even ever have to have hands laid on you to get healed. You can receive on your own, and that's the highest and the best even. And I can lay hands on people by faith. But when we worship him and he comes and he wants to do that, that's how I yield to him. And that's why the power and the presence of God is here. So, see, we have a part to play in building a habitation. Let's build a house of praise. 
And you don't have to wait till you get here to do a house. You can build a house in your home. You know what I mean by that? And it's important. Uh, The easiest house you should ever build is while you're in your car all by yourself driving to work. You can build you a house. And sometimes, you know, teaching is good and even music is good. But those of you who sit in the line to go to get into Redstone or if you're up on 72 and it's a parking lot, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just keep your eyes open, keep two hands on the wheel, <laughs> quit fussing at everybody, and just lift up your voice. And then at least God will ride with you to work. Amen. That's a better ride. Hey, amen?